What's up, everyone? I'm Katherine Rudder, and this is Life in the Fast Chain. On this episode of the podcast, we have two CEOs. We start off with R3 CEO, David E. Rudder. I kind of tricked him into coming into the New York City studio. Um, It's the first time recording in the studio, and I wanted to get a little something in there, so I may have baited him in, Um, but don't worry. We are practicing social distance guidelines and also COVID guidelines here in the office, Um, but it is a new office, and it's so beautiful, lots of space, uh, so we are being safe, but it is nice to, to check in with the office and have better audio quality. Podcasts are about quality. I'm definitely going to take some of these microphones home. I hope no one in business business resources is listening to the podcast right now. (laughs) But, you know, a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do. Anyways, we talk a bit about cryptocurrencies, uh, the businessman that he is. He brings it back to blockchain um, and how uh, businesses will be using blockchain and Corda specifically for their different use cases and not necessarily cryptos, but it's it's fun to talk about. Um, then we have CEO of Chainhouse, Jamil Sheikh. He has learned, he has done a lot in the blockchain space and he has spent a lot of time in the last few years learning more about Corda, which ended up leading to his book that he wrote, Mastering Corda, which I have on my desk right now and I can't wait to take home and start reading. Um, we talk about his journey through blockchain and how he got to Corda. It's an episode chock full of information, so I'm going to stop talking, uh, but let's get into it. I'm in the new New York studio recording for the first time with the one and only David Rudder. Thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me into your new studio. It's an honor to be in here. <laughs> no uh, problem. I'm happy to have good uh, audio quality. I, we've been doing the best we can in the last few months with um, our audio for the podcast, but it's so nice to have these microphones in this setup. And also, this room is clearly deadened uh, <laughs> from a sound perspective because you can't hear anything, anything at all. It does smell a little funny, though. I think it's all it's, the glue from the new pads or something. Yeah, it's all the padding. It's it's the material. But it's really cool. I will put a picture in the bio of the episode of the studio. We have a Life in the Fast Chain logo on the wall Super behind cool. us. Yeah. It's amazing. I won't say um, – I didn't – I'm not going to say I cried when I walked in and I but saw it. I thought it, you did. But I'm not going to say that I didn't. I think you did. Yeah. It was reported to me. I okay. did. <laughs> And it's a lot bigger. We have a lot more room, so we can socially distance properly, which yeah, is great. Yeah, as you can see. Well, yeah. actually, well, you, you can't, can't see. see, but we are filming it as well. We are at least X feet apart from each other. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me so last minute. Um, finance man turned blockchain man. You obviously have seen what's been going on in the crypto markets. Let's talk a little bit about it. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, that's a broad question. I mean, it's been fun to watch. Uh, to me, it is similar to, you know, many other most recently, uh, you know, hys- hysteria that I've seen where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the you know Bitcoin has just gone through the roof. Was that 
I think $42,000 on, you know, over the last few days. Yeah. And I had a big correction. It's trying to make a little bit of a comeback today. Yeah. But, you know, I have been, since I started uh, R3, which really has nothing to do with cryptocurrencies yeah. uh, to date, I've been asked about, hey, what do you think of Bitcoin? Oh, I'm uh, sure. Time and time again. And there's one funny story, if I can tell you, where I of had, a, I had a, a Bloomberg TV interview and I went on and I wanted to talk about enterprise blockchain and how Corda <laughs> was going to change the world. And they just kept asking me about Bitcoin and I was so disinterested. Uh, they, they cut me off after about, I don't know, 14 seconds or something. It wasn't that bad. It was awful. I really go to CNBC. I've got some decent interviews on there. Yeah, you do. Uh, but getting back to it, um, listen, I when you, when you take a look at uh, Bitcoin, um, there is uh, clearly a different dynamic at play. You know, when it when it first started, it was going to, you know, help against inflation and move away from, uh, you know, uh, government-issued money and all this sort of stuff. And it was going to be used at all the outlets in the world. And, you know, I made this point a couple of years ago. What are we now? Just starting 2021. It's probably in 2019. I was somewhere on a panel and I said in 2019 there's less retailers that took Bitcoin than 2017 which which is true the volatility of the coin doesn't work well if you're a small merchant I mean you're complaining about one and a half or two percent fees to a credit card if you get paid in Bitcoin and it's ten percent lower you know an hour later uh, that doesn't that doesn't work out really well for you but the difference is that it's now been around long enough and it's gained the attention of enough um, you know serious finance people that, you know, most wealthy folks and family offices and all want some exposure to uh, certainly to, to Bitcoin and to some cryptocurrencies. And then you look at just the supply and demand dynamics around Bitcoin. You know, I don't know whether the price should be 40000 or 4000 uh, yeah. or 400000 uh, but there's there's clearly some demand there. What I worry about, and I'll, I'll liken this to, I was on the uh, in 2000, uh, late 1999, I remember being on the street in, I think it was in Kansas City, and I overheard, you know, a taxi cab driver talking to uh, like a hot dog merchant about the IPO they just participated in. <laughs> and I thought to myself, man, this is bad. The world is going to, you know, it's just going to blow up. And interestingly, I was just getting a car from a valet and the valet was having a conversation with one of the drivers about how upset he was about one of his cryptocurrencies not keeping pace with Bitcoin. So there's some real bubble yeah. feel to the whole thing. Yeah. But like, look, you know, Bitcoin is an interesting experience at a minimum, uh, has changed, has caused the world to reconsider how money works. Yeah. So it's had a lasting impact. I have great admiration for it. There's a lot of the other coins. I don't know. Are you allowed to swear yeah. on the broadcast? Sure. I don't know. I've right. been what, on this so few. What level of swearing? Oh, like the S word. I've been, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Okay, I've been on. I've been on so few times. I don't really know how this works. But look, there's a, there's the vast majority, ninety nine point some percent, are, are you know shit coins that are out there that should be avoided. Yeah. Um, but you know, there there's a place in the world. And then another thing, Catherine. I'm sorry, and I'm. Probably no. talking too long. Uh, there, but the podcast is there, there, there's, there's, you know, this whole DeFi movement uh, now, which, again, I think could cause folks to, you know, reconsider 
um, certain aspects of finance. But just like when I first got started in 2014, 2015, everyone that was building Bitcoin solutions were going to replace JP Morgan and yeah. DTCC without even understanding. I mean, the claims out of DeFi now are, are rough for an old-ish uh, uh, yeah, Wall Street veteran to hear about because I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm a I have my Series Seven Twenty Four Sixty Three. I have owned uh, broker dealers. I've run broker dealers. I've been CEO of, of a few of them, and there's a regulatory infrastructure that's been built up over, you know, hundreds of years, yeah. uh, and certainly in the U.S., well over a hundred years around how f- these products uh, can be handled. And just because cryptocurrency is super hot, you can't just choose to ignore uh, ignore that. You know, there's a lot yeah. of uh, different products out there that I have trouble wrapping my head around. So anyway, I'll stop there. Spoken like a true businessman. So you've hit a, a few very good points. One, I think it's hilarious because I'm sure when you were also starting uh, the company, it, there was all of this conflating of cryptos and blockchain. I don't think that's as much of a of a thing anymore. Would you say that, um, and I thought this when uh, Bitcoin went soaring and what was then soaring now isn't because we've hit 40,000. But um, would you say that at least the this like kind of cryptocurrency craze has brought more attention to what we're doing here, even though it's outside of the crypto world? Because I would say a lot of my friends who have no had no idea what blockchain is, don't even know that much about cryptos, are now actually learning more about the technology and emerging tech because of of cryptos going Yeah, on. I mean, it, it, it can't hurt. It brings attention to the industry as a whole. Of course, we've taken a very different path and we focus yeah. on, you know, high value transactions, large companies, large corporates. And, you know, you're not going to build a, uh, a business that deals in, you know, billion-dollar notional amounts uh, on on just about anything but Corda yeah. and maybe, you know, Fabric is a decent offering. Even yeah. Ethereum is too immature um, for, for, you know, enterprise solutions at the moment. But yeah. there's some really, you know, creative uh, stuff coming out of that community. Uh, and I find – I admire – uh, I admire them, and they annoy the hell out of me at the same time because <laughs> sure. they think it's so simple. You know, oh, yeah. I've just launched a new change the world coin, and yeah. if it was that simple, everyone would do it. Also, I've heard of people mm-hmm. investing in some cryptocurrencies just purely based off of uh, liking the name of them. Yeah. Like, well, so there's some of that crap. So what's happening is I start with Bitcoin <laughs> and made a bit of money. I roll into Ethereum, and after Ethereum, I roll into something else. And Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, I uh, I had a, a friend uh, just within the last week call me and start by telling me, you know, how, how I'm a mentor to him and how much he's admired what I have in a helped him accomplish and then tell me that I've also cost him at least a million dollars because <laughs> I told him he was crazy to buy Bitcoins three or four years ago. <laughs> so, you know, look, yeah. w- w- what what do I know? I could be a lot wealthier today if I had bought a bunch of, uh, um, you know, cryptocurrencies back in the day. And I know some people and some of them fairly close to me that have done, you know, really well. Yeah. Uh, in that regard. But look, over time, if there's not a fundamental business solution that's embedded uh, into these things, they're not going to last. But it doesn't yeah. mean that the creative energy that goes into them won't cause, uh, you know, industry veterans like myself, uh, Wall Street industry veterans to 
to reconsider, you know, how how we do things. And that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree with you. I think from my perspective, especially, I don't consider myself to know much about any cryptocurrencies. And that's why I would never give uh, too much advice on it. But it is very fun to watch from my perspective and kind of watch people try and um, try and getting involved, even small portions. Some of my friends were like, yeah, I'm just going to throw $200 into, <laughs> into crypto to just see yeah. what happens. Um, but I wouldn't think of a like a long-term, obviously, business solution. And that is exactly why... Uh, we've built Corda because these cryptos are not going to help what you're trying to solve. Yeah, and, you know, we mentioned how, like, in the early days, I did have that problem where everyone conflated Bitcoin with, you know, what we were trying to do at R3. You know, now you you can see where they conflate the, you know, there's there's stable coins, there's utility coins, there's cryptocurrencies. There's a lot of different versions here. And as we move towards digital assets, many of them will be, you know, tokenized. So really, uh, so it's not a bad word, um, but it's just, you know, if you're going to put your hard-earned money into it, um, then you should really understand what the purpose is of that coin, what it's solving, and not just either like the name or, you know, (laughs) hear that everybody else is doing it. You know, it's like that old school video where he's running down the street (laughs) naked, you know. Will Ferrell. Yeah. Everybody's doing it. Well, good luck with that. I mean, in the short run, it could work out well for you. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I know you're very busy, and I kind of tricked you into coming on. But Yeah, I had no preparation for this, but I actually quite enjoy it. And I, I <laughs> encourage you, if your audience gives you any positive feedback whatsoever, which actually could be could be the opposite thing. It would be like, keep that guy off the show. I'd be more than happy uh, to bop, pop into this uh, very nice studio yeah. uh, and, and do another one with you. But And also, Catherine, as you know, there's one final comment on the cryptocurrency side. There's so many people in R3 that, you know, know a lot more uh, about this you oh, yeah. know, topic than I do. But I think getting the perspective of someone that's been in the industry for over 30 years and, you know, really understands the regulatory side uh, is of some value. And, and it's... You know, you got to do a sanity check every once in a while. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I have to disclose I own some Bitcoin. I bought it in, like, 2015. And, That's awesome. Yeah, but I'm not going to, you know, like, buy Bitcoin for my IRA or anything. No, no, so. no, no. Yeah, I will say on the point of others having a, a lot of knowledge, obviously, on cryptocurrencies, um, outside of this room, there are probably – we we huge office. This office is so beautiful. Um, and so we're socially distanced, spread yeah. out. It's it's amazing. I will say outside of the door of, the, of this studio, there's probably, I think there are 10 people in the office right now, uh, 10 people who are more qualified to talk about blockchain on a blockchain podcast than me. So, but I'm the host. I don't know. You're doing pretty well. Anyway, uh, thank you very much. Thank you for joining me. Great to have you on the show. <laughs> Cut that. Cut that great to have you on the show. Meant to be show. great, uh, great, uh, great that I've been on the show. <laughs> Bloop! I would like to great be the show. It's great uh, to have me back me. again. It's so great to be me. It's so great <laughs> to be me. Yeah. <laughs>
can't complain. I know. What is going on? The last episode of the podcast, I was in shock at uh, where Bitcoin was at, and it just keeps on rising, yeah. as do the other I, ones. If you bought Bitcoin at 20000 you actually are well off right now. <laughs> so I know. You know like if you bought t- t- at 20000 a year ago or two years ago, uh, when it hit 20000 that that January, you were like in trouble. But now if you bought at 20000 you almost doubled your money. Well, I remember at that time I was telling my friends to like get involved and and they're all very skeptical. No one works in blockchain. They were like, okay, Catherine. Um, (laughs) Exactly. And then finally I convinced one of my good friends to and then it just dropped. (laughs) I was like, oh no. But then hopefully, uh, hopefully they held on to it. But um, I know it's so crazy. It's almost like it's all I read about right now. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it. it's it's great for the space. I think the the news about PayPal opening it up, opening up their wallets to cryptos, um, and yeah. the weakening dollar all have contributed. Obviously, COVID um, is impacting yeah. it all. So uh, we'll see how long this goes. I don't think it's sustainable. I think these rates are not sustainable, but we'll see. So. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's so unpredictable, obviously, and that's why people love it and love how volatile right. it is because <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen. You love it until you yeah. don't. <laughs> um, I know. At least uh, 2020 is behind us. 2021, I will say, has started off a little rocky. Right, right. <laughs> here in the right. U.S. We but, almost had a coup, uh, right? <laughs> so, right? I know, so. I know. We had about five days of... of Things looking up, but hopefully they continue to get better yes. as the year progresses yeah. and the vaccine and everything. Yeah. I'm trying to be hopeful. Yeah, I completely believe that the year will be much better than last year. I think all the indicators are looking good. Like we're, I think we're moving in the right direction. I think we'll have a stable um, political environment, which I think is the most important thing. Regardless of what, yeah. what side of the aisle it is, it's I think it'll be more stable. Uh, and I yeah. think um, the vaccine hopefully will make a difference by June, July, I think. Uh, I hope so. And so that'll be good for everything. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. I need the world to return I really back hope. to normal. <laughs> we kind of like, I, I want to get back on a plane, you know, and just jump around different cities and travel. As much as I, I can, know. So. Has that been tough with you with the business with COVID? How has that in- impacted uh, the way that you were working? Well when, well, when COVID first came, I got COVID. I was out in the Ukraine um, late February. Oh, yeah, I was in late February. I was in the Ukraine. I was attending a central bank digital currency conference. Um, and then I flew back to New York and then I took a train down to DC for a day at a meeting with the IMF and I came back up and on the way back up on the Amtrak, I'm like, oh, I don't feel good. And, okay. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, usually I get over a flu in like three days, four days. This took like three weeks. Uh, and then I was lethar- extremely lethargic for April. I just didn't want to do anything. I don't want to get out of bed. Um, so, early on too. Yeah, that was very early. It was on. very early on. And so there's some residual symptoms that like my body, like inside is kind of, there's a buzzing, um, vibrate, oh, yeah, no. vibration, um, still, yeah, still. Um, and I've had maybe 15 different, 20 different kinds of like CAT scans, MRIs, colonoscopies, endoscopies, um, uh, oh, all kinds of testing, like, you know, heart tests, um, you know, um, you know, all that, like maybe 15 different, 20 different things. And like the doctor's like, you're fine. You're normal. Everything's healthy. You're healthy. And I'm like, well, something's not right. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, but it's it's gradually getting better. Like every, I compare mo- month good. over month, not like day over day. It's like month over month. It's getting better. Uh, yeah. um, so I hope like by by May or June when the weather's better, I can like 
back, you know, 100%. But I'm very, act- I'm very yeah. active now. Like, I'm, you know, doing a lot of sports and things like that. So, um, you know, things are back to normal in terms of, like, my personal life. That's yeah. good. That's so scary, especially, I mean, obviously there are the different strains and it's impacting different people in different ways. Yeah. But having symptoms this long is is so tough yeah it, it, it was scary and uh you know like april i thought i was not going to make it because it was just like all these palpitations all these weird things were happening uh and then suddenly it just kind of died down um and That's the scary good. part is that doctors don't know anything about this at that time they didn't know anything about it and they're like we, we don't yeah. know um so but hopefully we can move past all of that you know um, yeah definitely yeah. Oh, man, I didn't even know that before we were recording. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, but that was that was, well, the, that was the biggest impact to our business is basically I was not able to do much for like three months. I could not really do much. And, oh, and like no. my inbox would be full. And I'll be like, oh, I don't want to, I don't even want to look at it. You know, I just didn't feel like, but normally I'm very aggressive and very, very busy. I work 70 hours a week. I love what I do. I'm excited. Yeah. And then like those three months, I'm like, I don't really care about anything. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, well, it would be very tough to be motivated if you'd feel awful yeah. and then lethargic. Oh gosh, yeah. I can't, yeah. uh, I can't imagine yeah, that, that, that level of, 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 of lethargic was like, I would put my arm on a pillow and I felt like my arm was melting into the pillow. Yeah. You know, like, I don't want to, it's like, I can't move it anymore. Uh, oh my yeah, goodness. Well, I'm so happy yeah. to hear that you're doing better. Hopefully you continue to do better. Uh, and then are you now back to working full time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. yeah. Back, yeah, well, that's yeah. Good. back to work full time, working out, going to the gym. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. Great. Just not traveling. Um, even though I really want to, I'm just avoiding that for now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a good yeah. move. Um, I know. Well, onward and upward. I really hope you continue to get better. Um, but you are such a busy person, so I can't imagine you have so many things going on from being a teacher, like an adjunct professor, <laughs> and do like 15 years of experience in tech, capital markets, real estate, all that stuff. Um, on top of your duties at Chain House, you wrote Mastering Corda, a book. When did that come out? Did that come out around... When did it, that came, come out? it came out um, last year, uh, late October. Yeah. Okay, that's what yeah, I yeah. thought. That's what I thought. And I have uh, my signed copy on my desk in the office that I cannot wait to pick up. But I, I left it there and I've been quarantining now in my apartment. Yeah. And so I, I couldn't yeah. read it before this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's so great that you were able to get it out last year. Um, tell me a little bit about it. Why did you decide to write this book? Uh, well, so, um, one, and this is a secret really, you know, like I shouldn't be telling anybody this is really for myself to learn about Corda, right? Yeah. It's really like you, the only way you can learn and know that you learn something is if you put it to writing, right? And to like, and so I felt like I didn't understand Corda enough, even though I had yeah. taught it, um, and, and, you know, like these classes that we gave on Corda, they were technical. I just felt like yeah. I didn't understand it well enough. Um, and the only way that I could was to like write it down in a way that some other person who didn't understand it read my writing and either said, you know, you, you're not making sense or really said, oh, you've opened up my eyes to something new. And if I could, if okay. I could do that, then I can believe that I understood Corda. Uh, and so that was kind of the yeah. main impetus driving it, like writing this book so that I could understand Corda. Um, and then the other thing was I felt like 
um, there's a whole lot of people that are very, very new to blockchain. Uh, and a lot yeah. of blockchain people are very much in their own bubble. They're like, they, they don't understand the non-blockchain people. Uh, and there's a chasm between being a non-blockchain person and a blockchain person, that gap of learning. Um, nobody's really filling that gap in. Uh, um, and so I thought that book, book would fill that gap between somebody who had no idea what blockchain were, was. They've heard about it. They've, they see it in the news, but like, how do I practically apply it? Um, and yeah. it's a Java developer somewhere sitting um, in, in at his desk or at her desk in some office. I'm like, hey, I want to do something different. I want to learn about blockchain. I already got these skills um, and I want to reapply these skills to something um, that's going to be big in the future. Uh, and that was the other yeah. that was the other kind of driver. Like, hey, people are going to want to sit down and pick up um, and, and read this material. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's such a good exercise to framing it in a way for other people to understand because, uh, one, like you said, it helps yourself, but also, um, that's kind of what I try and do with the podcast to kind of like, okay, if I'm explaining this to X person or Y or someone, even like the use cases, when we talk about like different industries and how you can apply, apply these different apps in different industries, I'm like, okay, what my friend who knows nothing about supply chain, like how can I explain how blockchain can be impactful in that industry or whatever? So it's, it, and it helps me that the podcast has made me learn. Like right. I learn every time I record um, and I'm very confident I will learn from you today as yeah. well. <laughs> but I think, I mean, you're doing the podcast, you get all this exposure, right? Um, and yeah. the main reason I teach wherever I teach is really not to give information, but is to obtain information. Right, get all these yeah. perspectives that challenge challenging my ideas, uh, and then you accumulate that over time, right? So, and then you can yeah. like then provide more to the people that you're teaching. Say, well, I've accumulated all this information from the past from the people that I've taught, and they shared their ideas and their perspective, and you just kind of just roll it over. Uh, and so, I yeah. think it's very exciting, and it's very true of podcasts as as, as it is of, of books or you know classes. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, my dog wanted, <laughs> wants to join the podcast. Um, Thor, stop. Bring him in, bring him in, uh, bring him in. <laughs> I know, I, should, I would if uh, he wasn't so far away and I was hooked up to so many wires. Thor, stop. Um, no, I agree. It's uh, it's also a, a meaty book. It's long. Yeah, it, it, so it's about 500 pages. The original manuscript is longer. They, um, the publisher asked me to like trim it down. So it's actually it's oh. actually trimmed, um, and I um, I had I wrote it twice. Um, so the first time I wrote oh. it, um, I was not happy with my writing, uh, mm. and so I went through it again. I basically redid about ninety percent of it, um, and the main thing was wow. like to really get it in a way that a non technical person can read it uh, and understand it. So there's chapters for business people there, um, and then uh, in a way that flew like, that, that the flow was very natural. So you're turning yeah. pages and you feel like you're flowing in a natural way um, and learning, not somewhere where you would get stuck. I'm like, I don't get it. And then you give up on the book. Uh, yeah. Um, and so that was, that was the, um, the process. Um, and I could easily have had another hundred pages cause Corda is very deep now, right? All yeah. these different pieces are in there. Um, and I was speaking to Mike, Mike Hearn and he was like, can you add in conclave in there? I'm like, yeah, I can throw in a chapter of conclave in there too as well. Not a problem. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, the, and I was like, but the publisher was like, Hey, we've got to like, you know, there's some ec economics behind some of this and uh, we, we need to cut it off here. And so we did at about yeah. 450, 500 pages. 
Yeah, that's true. It's kind of have to have like a beginning and an end. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, so I wanted to put in a lot more stuff. I wanted to put stuff on Decentralized ID. Um, and I was in the R3 office in London. They were talking about that with me there. I wanted to put that in. Mike Hearn was like, you know, hey, put in something about Conclave. Uh, but then the book was going to balloon past 500, maybe 600 pages. Yeah. Uh, and so the publisher was like, yeah, we, you know, like you need to trim it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they, they know like books, like larger books might not sell as much. Yeah. Um, uh, and so they, they trimmed it down. And so, you know, maybe the second edition, uh, I'll put more stuff in. Yeah, but it was say, you, you know, could maybe like break it up into books or editions or whatnot, because it is constantly getting updated, especially with all the versions coming out. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean like the book, the Cordac came out with probably two more versions since the at the time I started writing the book. And that, that was also cha- a challenge with writing the book, because as you were writing, the stuff, the content is changing as well, right? Yeah. The underlying technology is changing as well, uh, and so yeah. But it was it was it was fun. It was you know, and I did end up learning a lot about. Um, I'm sure. About court. Yeah. So. I'm sure it is a it's a pretty meaty book. It looks there. I kind of scroll skimmed through it when I first got it because I was so excited when I got into the office and I saw it on my desk. Right. I was like, where did this come from? Um, but tell me about your journey with Corda. Like, how did you first discover Corda? So it was completely by accident. It was a, it's a kind of fun, funny story. Um, and I, I do talk about this story in the book, like in, in the preface, it's there. Um, and the way it starts is like, so this is um, early uh, 2018, January 2018, or somewhere around there. Okay. Uh, and by then, I was doing a lot of classes on blockchain. We were building some blockchain apps. Um, we were doing a lot of events, probably 30 events around blockchain and crypto. Wow. So it had this community growing. And there was this demand, um, and I was exhausted. I was mentally exhausted, like putting all, all this information out. Yeah. And, and I said, "Hey, I need to take a class myself. I just want to sit there and just absorb information and not do any work. Just yeah. sit there, slouched in a chair behind a desk, and have the teacher do the, do the work and like put stuff in my head. I don't want to do it anymore." Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, I went on Eventbrite and I searched for blockchain uh uh and java and i was like is there a blockchain that uses java i don't because i was using ethereum and all that at that yeah. time and boom there was this quarter boot camp and it said free lunch i'm like oh free lunch i'm you know <laughs> that's how you get me too <laughs> yeah. i'm like okay yeah exactly i'm like okay i'm there um you're gonna take care of my food and my like intellectual curiosity at the same time I'm like all right cool Perfect. I, I signed up um and it was going to be uh, Joe Dudley from London, who's gonna, I think he's going to be at, yeah, yeah, he's going to be in New York at that time. Um, and then two weeks before the class, I think the class was supposed to be in February or something like that, it got canceled, right? And so um, I don't know why. Um, and I got upset. <laughs> I was pretty upset. I'm like, where's my free lunch? One. Uh, two, um, I really want to learn this platform called Corda. I really want to learn it. Right? Yeah. And so um, so I emailed this company. I'm like, who is this company with two characters for their name? Like R3. Like, what kind of company is that? And so um, I emailed R3. I don't, it was like info at R3 or something like that. Emailed. And I said, hey, where's this class? If you didn't get enough people, I'll get you the people. Um, please have this class. Um, and that mail just like circulated internally it, like b- bounced around and i know this because uh it was eventually forwarded to me like it was forwarded to a bunch of different people and then 
person that did reach out to me emailed me with the entire trail. Oh no, I hate when that happens, but also I'm nervous because I have access to info at r3.com. Oh, it was, so maybe you forwarded somebody. It's like, take care of this nut job, right? And so, um, so there's a person named Guy, Guy yep. um, reaches out to me and says, hey, and I feel like um, he was just trying to get rid of me. Like <laughs> He was like, <laughs> This guy, because I kept emailing. I just kept I'm like, where's the class? Where's the class? Where's the class? Um, and uh, I was being really bad about it. Um, Persistence is he, good. It's how you get yeah, what you need. Yeah. And he was like, um, let's just go have lunch. Uh, and we were going to have sushi. And so we, we thought it was going to be like a quick lunch uh, about the class and like how we can work together. Mm-hmm. It, tur- it turned into a, a two-hour thing. Oh, so wow. guy... I've sat down. He used to work for IBM. I used to work for Sun Microsystems that made Java. Yeah. Uh, and we had common clients and common experiences. Um, and then he asked me to, uh, hey, do you want to take a look at the R3 office at Bryant Park? Um, and I said, yeah, sure, I would love to. Um, and I remember walking through the glass doors and said R3. And I was kind of, you know, it was like a, a kid at a candy store. I was like, wow, I'm at this, I'm at the place. Um, and by then I had read the white papers oh, yeah. uh, already, and so I was kind of prepared. And I went in, and he introduced me to a bunch of people. Uh, I met Austin. Um, I met uh, a few other people. I met yeah. um, Alyssa, Alyssa uh, and I was like, and everybody was really friendly. It was a really nice environment. I felt like uh, a very positive vibe. It wasn't like a startup vibe where people were scrappy and like overly hyped up about stuff. Everybody was kind of like down to earth. Yeah. And very, very uh, casual. But I, I could sense that there's a lot of intelligence. There are a lot of people very smart. Uh, and and I, and I say this in my book, it, like nobody tried to sell me on Corda. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got sold on Corda. Like oh, when yeah. they were like not trying to push it on me. Yeah. Right. Um, and a lot of the people there, they already knew who, who I was. Like, they're, oh, you're Jamil, right? We've heard about you. Yeah. Uh, and they wanted to meet with me. And so I got to talk to them and I started meeting with a lot of different people at R3. But I remember Guy's words um, at the lunch. And he's like, Jamil, court is being used everywhere by the banks and so on. But nobody knows about us. Yeah. Uh, and this is now like first quarter of 2018. I was like, oh, wow, let's, let's, let's work together. I can try to help change that at least in new york yeah uh, uh with some of the people that I, I work with here um and that was it that was the rest of the history and i just would go back and forth um to the r3 office we got involved with a project with the world bank uh doing supply chain stuff and so um uh that uh, we, i ended up getting uh, isabel got me a desk at r3 mm-hmm. uh, and i was ecstatic and that's when i started to feel like I needed to write a book. Yeah. Because um, I got all this information um, and I want to put it in a book and that it would benefit um, everybody. And so that's that's how I started with Corda. Yeah, that's awesome um, too, especially because you were kind of involved in learning about all the different enterprise blockchains and, and uh, teaching them. Um, and then kind of, like you said, it's beneficial to everyone because – uh, from our perspective, it's like an advocate kind of going out there. And, and there was a point where people really didn't know us nor care to because we were just like, right. we're not IBM. We're not like a big company that has yeah. – we're kind of – we're just a, a startup. But 
I do. I will say, I kind of think it's funny saying that like we weren't like a scrappy, like I would say in 2018, we were in a very good place. We've hired, we hired some amazingly smart people. I would say that about 2016. I would say that about like across the board, but there was a point where it was like, kind of what are we when I started working in 2016? And I did feel a little bit like, "Mm, okay, yeah, this is cool, but like prove it Uh to me kind of. And then I would say around 2017, 2018, it was like, I'm all in and like I'm working with the smartest people. And I kind of had that feeling that you're describing of like walking into the office and being like, oh, these people are are intelligent and Uh not trying to oversell me and and all that. So I I can completely relate to those those feelings. Yeah. I mean, so I think that culture the R3 has uh, is really vital. Um, and, uh, you know, I can like, I actually had lunch, uh, with, um, David Rudder. It was about two weeks, three weeks ago. Um, uh, he was here in New York, um, and spent time with him a little bit. Um, and, you know, I could see some of, um, what he did to kind of build that culture. Yeah. Um, uh, same with Todd, Todd McDonald. Um, yeah. and so I think that's important, um, in the blockchain space because there, there are a lot of people selling all kinds of stuff yeah. that doesn't really, really work. And I love the fact that Corda has adoption in the market. There's adoption, mm-hmm. uh, and then talking about that came later. Yeah, you know the hype. The hype came afterwards. It's not before. Yeah. So you wouldn't even you you can't even call it hype. It's more about testimonials. So yeah, this is what we're doing. This is how it's working. Yeah. Um, so for me, that was very exciting, um, and uh, I realized that hey, there's a market. Um, that market's going to grow, right? Blockchain's yeah. going to grow. Uh, and let me write a book. So uh, it would be good for me. It'd be good for our business. It would be good for um, R3 as well. Uh, it would open up new channels and yeah. new, new opportunities. Because um, uh, the, the developer base right now, like the O'Reilly publisher, they have a very large developer base. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have millions of people going onto their uh, online platform. These books are available online. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, so it's getting uh, a lot of attention. Uh, from developers. Hopefully that translates to down the road. Um, yeah. Yeah. More adoption. Well, you've so. also hosted meetups and done like Corda focused events and stuff. How, how has that been impacted in the last few months? Have you been able to do some online stuff or it's kind of like, okay, let's just kind of get our stuff together and then prepare for being together in person. How has that shifted in the last few months? Yeah, I was, so like, March, April, May, June, after I started to get better, I was like, I don't like this virtual stuff. I, it's I tough. Really it's really tough. Yeah. I don't like it because I'm so used to like meeting people and shaking their hands and talking to them. Yeah. Uh, and these, if, even though I'm an introvert, I'm very introverted. Uh, I, I like to stay home. Um, but like doing all these meetups forced me to go outside and talk to yeah. people uh, and interact with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started to really like that. And yeah. I didn't like the idea of like doing things virtually. But um, so really, like the last half of last year, we did almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the meetup was just kind of quiet. But yeah. now um, we've kind of kicked it back up. Uh, we did it. We did something on, on DeFi um, two weeks ago. It was it was we ran out of virtual seats. Oh, awesome. <laughs> we ran out. of. I mean, like we had a cap on virtual seats. Yeah. And then we just ran out of virtual seats. Um, so all our meetups are pa- always packed. Yeah. Um, and um, but. In 2018, after I engaged with Guy and Austin and Isabel and Todd and, you know, pretty much everybody on that floor, um, 
we started saying, hey, we, we want to get the word out around Corda. Yeah. We wanted to have more meetups around Corda. Uh, and we started doing that. Uh, but because I run a community, we do need to keep things balanced. Yeah, like we yeah. need to have a, uh, like a different perspective. So we would have Corda, and then we would bring in uh, people from IBM and talk about Hyperledger yeah. and digital assets and things like that. Um, and so, but people were like, "What's Corda?" And it yeah. really, we're like, "Well, let, let's talk about it and see, see, um, you can learn what what it's about." Yeah, so. I think that's also why it was so. It's like kind of the partnership with you is so important to us. Too, because people, there was a lot of information also about these other platforms and Ethereum and like the, people know them and didn't really know us as well. So even though f- like you were uh, doing events and things that were, were about all different blockchain platforms, it was like especially important for us um, at R3, especially in the development community. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember telling Austin, um, listen, you better, I'm going to push Corda. I told him, look, I'm going to push Corda into the, into the community. Uh, but I've got to do it in a way that's kind of nuanced, yeah. right? Uh, and I needed your support, uh, Austin. And he was there. Isabel, was, um, 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 Alyssa, you know, I'm like, hey, you guys need to get on the podium. I want to get you guys on the podium. Yeah. Um, I remember one time uh, Alyssa was giving a talk on supply chain, and she was about to, like, collapse and faint because she hadn't eaten. And I was there, like, on the podium handing her, like, a uh, a protein bar or something to drink and like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it's there like trying to really support uh, and get uh, more aware awareness around Corda from the community because that's where it starts. If the community understands the value, then the adoption occurs after that. Yeah. Um, and then eventually it goes to institutions, right? And then they like, hey, the people are talking about this. Let's look at this. Yeah. Um, and then de- developers influence decision makers as well. So like, totally. developers like, look at this. Let's look at that. Let's not look at this. Yeah, that's why also it's it's interesting because I'm on the marketing team. It's like, how do you market to like the developers and then like the institutions and the businesses and ha- that handshake? I think we've been we've been trying to figure out. Well, I think we've done a pretty good job between the like open source community and then um, then businesses and whatnot and the, in different industries. But it's true. You do have to speak to those developers and because they will influence decisions if someone's like, right. hey which blockchain like we like we want to look into a blockchain for insurance this insurance use case uh and then someone's like oh well i heard about corda that's such a exactly. good way to to right. get out there but you've worked in uh tech real estate capital markets and all that um what are some of the best use cases for corda or blockchain in general um that you've seen in these fields um I think we're most excited about finance because that mm-hmm. really we focus on finance. Um, I think healthcare and finance are going to be the biggest yeah. uh, beneficiaries of blockchain, uh, and we're in the very early stages of this. Yeah, uh, and I think Corda um, brings an enormous value in the financial space, um, and you know, so other blockchains do things that are really, really well, but there are things that. Um, they can't do that quarter does um, that are going to be very, very important, um, especially in the finance space. So I think we see that um, uh, uh, growing. Uh, I was talking to David about DeFi, Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's going to be a space where I think convergence with quarter will will start to emerge and how quarter evolves uh, around DeFi is going to be important. And hopefully we want to see that continue to evolve, whether it means to have an open quarter network which we you know r3 already has but like to get more people onto that yeah um, and, and grow that uh, i think it's gonna be we're, we're very excited about that but i think 
finance typically leads in innovation uh, yeah. when it when it comes to like business applications, um, and I think that's where we're most excited about. I'm not. I'm, I believe healthcare is going to be a big space as well, and you know, tr- uh, trade trade finance. And but I'm not uh, a healthcare expert. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that space. Nor am um, I. However, I do know that it would be very helpful. Just the basics of blockchain from like my own experiences, yeah. getting MRIs. Yeah. And I mean, you can speak to this. I obviously with yeah. having Corona and probably going to so many different doctors. I am yeah. absolutely not qualified to say anything about the healthcare space and how it can benefit. But just the the core like aspects of why blockchain is influential and is going to change the way that we do business is would help out in the healthcare industry or like hospitals yeah. and doctors talking to each other. It's, it's I mean, crazy. it was a, it was a big problem for me when I had COVID. Um, like I would go to one doctor and they would have no idea what the other doctor yeah. said. Right. And I would have to educate them. And, and I was scared to do that because there was so much loss in translation. Oh, it's right? also like, so well, new. Yeah. I can't yeah, imagine. I, yeah, and so I'm going to a cardiologist who just finished an echocardiogram, and he's like, "You're good, uh, and but you have you know uh, benign flutters every three months, whatever it is. It's not a big deal." I didn't want to go to another doctor and say, "Hey, this is what my cardiologist said." I wanted them to speak to each other. Yeah. Right. Uh, and if they can't speak to each other, they should be able to share their records. Yeah. Right. They should like I should be able to just like pass over records. Yeah. So what I actually had to do was create a Dropbox folder and really organize all these diagnostic reports and then oh share them with different doctors. Gosh. Right. And like Corda could solve that like that. I right? know. And just say, Hey, here's my, my, my medical passport, right? Here's all the, all the different records. And please, before I come in, make sure you read it. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so I'm there sitting there explaining, well, then I went to this doctor and he said this, and I went to that doctor and she said that. Yeah. And I'm probably making a mistake somewhere in there. And, reinterpreting what the doctor is saying to me. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't want to do that. Um, so I, clearly healthcare is a space where um, re- at, at minimum at the very base level record sharing, yeah. record sharing you know, all these records, um, uh, medical records, it, it makes sense. I know. Um, I agree with you. Yeah. I'm not on the same level at all, but I have a, a really rare nerve condition. So like I had to go uh-huh. to a very specialized doctor, but no one knew what was going. One person was like, oh, you dislocated your arm in your sleep. And that was absolutely not what happened. And then oh I'm trying God. to explain. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, my serratus anterior or this muscle, like, and I'm trying to take notes. And it was all just because I couldn't get like the information from one doctor to another and then one right. hospital to another and then they're like why are you getting a, a MRI and a CAT scan I'm like I don't know <laughs> right. I thought right. it was down here so yeah. I completely a smaller level um, but I understand no, but it's not it's, it's not a smaller level because it's it's so frequent yeah I mean I think there's billions of dollars wasted in this track this miscommunication I'm right? sure there is but yeah it's yeah. just billions and billions of dollars of like us not being able to communicate because we're not experts and every doctor has their own opinion on things yeah. uh, and they interpret things and then we interpret things and it's all this miscommunication. Yeah. Uh, um, and I would like, I didn't see it before. Like I don't, I don't like to go to the doctor. I don't like to go to the hospital. Yeah. But this last year I was like at the ER and three times, three times. And I'm like, I got to see like all of it compressed. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm sick, but blockchain could solve a lot of this. <laughs> I know. I had <laughs> that back moment. Mind, like, <laughs> blockchain could solve all of this. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, people come to me and say, they're like, hey, you know, like, what does blockchain solve? I'm like, that's the wrong way to ask the question. I'm like, yeah. my view is 
blockchain is the default, you tell me why I should not use it. Yeah. I'll try to invert the question. It's the default. Mm. It's how how databases work. They yeah. synchronize with each other automatically and perfectly. Why would you want an alternative to that? Mm-hmm. Right. Let's let's throw it the other way around. Um, and so, uh, and what I would think, you say to that? <laughs> no, like, no, well, well, they will. They will. They will not say. They're like, okay. Well, yeah, I don't like, know. Let's well, think about you know, it. Right, but uh, Bitcoin sucks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, Bitcoin's a fraud. Uh, but like, you know, um, I think you know if we if fifty years ago when technology just became really big in businesses, like or maybe sixty years ago, and databases became big, and if we had DLTs, then we all we'd be completely on DLTs right now. Yeah, and it, it would be the norm for data records to move around instantaneously, perfectly in sync, yeah. with very little a loss of data. Uh, uh, in terms of the integrity of the data, I think uh, we would be we would be there now. Uh, I think the challenge of now going back in that direction and going to have DLTs adopted is difficult because people don't want to give up their databases. Yeah. They and then you need multiple parties to cooperate with each other to say, hey, we you need to redo how you already do business. Yeah. Um, and that's going to take some time, but I think it's a train that's not going to stop. Yeah. Right. Uh, and the businesses that catch on to it faster are going to get this competitive advantage, right? They're going to say, well, we're going to get the benefits of this now. We'll make that investment. We'll get the benefits of it now. And those that don't are maybe they'll get disrupted. And who knows? Yeah, I agree. I've kind of been like saying this about the early adopters for a long. It's always a risk because also adopting new technology. And it's I'm sure it's a nightmare. I can't even imagine implementing these systems and banks <laughs> and right. all of these different institutions. Um, but as obviously our perspective is the early adopters will um, definitely, not all of them, I think maybe. No, not, not all of them. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they'll kind of take off as long as. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a repeat case. of the dot-com the era. Like, so you had all these dot-coms, a bunch of them failed, but then a bunch of them just change the way how we do business. Like yeah. Everything I, I buy right now is pretty much on Amazon. Yeah. Right. And so um, I think we will have the equivalent of our Amazons uh, in the DLT space, people that are building these new ways of doing business. Yeah. Uh, um, and they just happen to be using a DLT. Yeah. Um, so. Such yeah. a crazy time we're in. It's so exciting also being involved at this point, especially from my perspective. I'm, I'm not a technical person, but I'm learning all of these different aspects of blockchain and the technical side too. Um, but more, I don't know. I think it's it's really so exciting to be in this space at this point. You, you should take a course in Python. I'll teach you Python. Okay. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you want to learn, I'll tutor you. Sure. Um, yeah. You maybe give me some more credibility. <laughs> Yeah, you could like you could walk into the, to a tech team and like that's a bug. Put that on the screen like that's a bug. They'd be like, you know? "Are you okay?" <laughs> you'd, probably, you'd probably be right. So, <laughs> so. Um, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I mean that yeah. would be very cool. The more I keep on learning, I learn every day. So, uh, like I would love to keep learning. So, what is yeah. next for you? Looking forward uh, for this year, I guess this year is tough. But what's what's next for you? Uh, a lot. Um, so we have a lot of plans. We have a lot of plans. Um, we're very excited, uh, and, and we're kind of, I'm very energized. Um, so this year, um, our plan was like uh, community. We would basically we would have community, then we would focus on education, mm-hmm. then we would move into services, and then we would go into products. Okay, that was kind of like a multi-year, multi-phase plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're somewhere between 
services and products now. Yeah. Um, so um, we want to we want to grow our services business, uh, uh, and then we want to create some more products around blockchain, uh, Corda, and um, uh, Ethereum. We want to see the two. Uh, converge. Uh, there kind of be bridges between the two. So mm-hmm. we're, like, we're explore, exploring some of that right now. Cool. On the event side, we're going to be doing a lot of events um, this year and next year. Good. Hopefully by, by fall, we can go back into person events. I hope so. Uh, yeah, I hope so too. Um, I might be writing another book um, this year uh, with a d- different publisher, a bigger publisher, uh, 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 DeFi itself. Busy. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we got, so we got a lot going on. So oh my we got a lot goodness. going on. Thank goodness have you a, have your energy back. Yeah. <laughs> this is a lot. Uh, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. Like, I wake up every morning. I just jump out of bed because yeah. of blockchain. Because of blockchain. So yeah. It's, it's very exciting stuff. That's awesome. Well, I will definitely link to your book um, in the bio of this episode and all other information if people want to get in touch with you or learn more from you. Um, so everyone listening, Keep an eye out in the future. Jamil is going to continue to crush it in the blockchain space. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. I learned a lot, and I can't wait to see what you uh, come up with in the next year. And I hope you have a healthier 2021. Thank you so much, Catherine. (laughs) Thanks for joining. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Fast Chain. Make sure to share with your friends and family on social media. You can always tweet at me at Bread and Rudder or at Inside underscore R3 for the company's uh, Twitter. And, you know, we're on all social. We're super hip. Um, In all seriousness, everyone, please stay safe. Abide by social distance guidelines and COVID guidelines just generally with whatever area you're in. Um, I know some places are a little more hopeful um, than others, but we're getting there. It's 2021 positive vibes. We're moving forward. Vaccines are being rolled out. Um, It doesn't mean we can be any less cautious and safe, but there's light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm so excited to continue to share with everyone, the listeners, um, and beyond. So thank you for listening. Share the podcast, but most importantly, please stay safe. Bye.